Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and with me always, I got some guests. First, we got Miami Flash PE. Say what's up to the people, Flash. What's up, everybody? Follow me on Twitter, Miami Clutch PE. Uh, give me a follow you. I'll follow you right back. And then right after that, we got Mr. Jake Wild. Say what's up to the people, Jake. Yo, yo, what's going on, Heat Nation? This is at Wild Thoughts on Twitter. E at the end of Wild. Two S's at the end of Thoughts. And then right after that, we have a contributor from Five Reasons. You can catch him sharing all kinds of horror stories on Reddit. Say what's up to the people, Mr. Brian Young. What's up, everybody? Uh, you all should look up I Investigate Disturbing Cases. That's my latest horror series I'm working on. I just posted, posted the third part. That is I Investigate Disturbing Cases. Check it out. And then following him, we got our female correspondent, Miss Angelina Martel. Say what's up to the people, Angelina. What's going on, Heat vs. the World? It's Angelina Martel. You can follow me on Twitter at Angie Martel with two E's for all your latest Miami Heat updates. And then last but not least, we have a very special guest from Five Recent Sports as well. One of the best insiders and probably one of the best people you could see on Twitter dishing out all the Heat news. Say what's up to the Heat vs. the World audience, Mr. Greg Sylvander. What's up, what's up? Glad to be here. Um, seen a lot of really uh, good guests come across, so I'm going to be, um, it's going to be a tough act to follow. You guys have been getting a lot of really good guests, but I'm happy to be here. You'll <laughs> fit right in, man, don't worry. <laughs> so without- Appreciate that. Yeah, so without further ado, um, let's get started. So, you know, I feel like we shouldn't really talk about this, but we can't just act like it didn't happen. So last night, Miami lost in blowout fashion against the Pacers. I'm not going to go into too much details about it. That's why I have guests hop on and do it for me. <laughs> so who wants to start off first? Um, let's start with you, Flash. How do you feel about last night's game? I mean, it was just one of those games that just tire you out, man. Like, I've been – the first quarter was all right, I guess. But after that, man, during the third quarter, I just didn't want any part of this game anymore. I know we made a run at the end, and it was and it was maybe a little bit of momentum going, but bam, they just shut the door on us and just ran away with the game. Man, Jimmy looked like the guy who was exhausted from carrying this team for the last, I don't know how long. So, Bam, he was, to me, he looked like he was poised to have a big game because of his first quarter. And just, he scored, what, 12, 14 points, and he only scored six, eight points the rest of the way. So that that performance in the post-first quarter was kind of disappointing. Um, Kendrick Nunn just, to me... Uh, I, you know me, I'm, I always said sell high on none, sell high because of what he is, because I know the, the downward spiral is going to come. It looks like it's coming. Hopefully I'm wrong, but man. And the same thing, roller coaster Kelly Olynyk had a three, two or three great games and ever since, like two, two, five, two or five points last game and seven points this game, that's not going to cut it. Tyler Hero just taking some, just turning the ball over in some crazy, crazy fashions and just taking ill-advised shots when he doesn't have to. There was a point where we were down by six points with the ball, and he just goes up the court, takes a pull-up contested three, leaning 
So it was just a frustrating game. I didn't want any part of it, to be honest, going into the, the third quarter. But I, I toughed it out, and just it didn't do me any favors. <laughs> and then what about you, Jake? Jake, you there? Yeah, I would have to agree with a lot of what uh, Flash just touched upon. Um, obviously, I, I said this last podcast, but a lot of empty minutes again. Um, obviously, Kelly O with 32 minutes and seven points. Duncan, you know, 30 minutes, and I believe he had six. And, you know, that's it's just not going to cut it. Um, you know, I, I was the same way when I first, you know, when the game first started. I think Bam started just he was the most aggressive I've ever seen him to start a game. He had like five shots in the first like five minutes. I was like, okay, maybe Bam is, you know, he's about to take this game over, take a little pressure off Jimmy. And then he kind of took his foot off the gas a little bit, um, only ended up with 11 shots in total. So I really would like to see him just fully unleash and just say, you know, screw it. I'm just going to go as hard as I can. Um, he obviously contributed in a lot of other ways last night. So I, I don't, I don't think the, the real issue is him. Um, I, you know, I'm going to provide a different perspective from last night because I'm sure, you know, we have a lot of things to say about the Heat. But I'm just going to I'm just going to say that the Indiana Pacers are a good team. Um, and now, you know, they, they were pretty cold in the months of January and February. But now that they have Karis Levert, um, I'm going to look to them to be a pretty big threat going forward. Um, obviously, Sabonis playing at an all star level. And, you know, if you watch them, it's pretty incredible how much of the offense runs through him just being such an amazing passer with incredible vision. But now we, they, they have, you know, very formidable guards. Um, Malcolm Brogdon torched us last night, absolutely torched us. Um, he's a sniper. And now Karis Levert, a guy that does kind of everything, you know, along with Miles Turner, you know, he's a stretch big that a lot of teams could use. You know, he, he I think he blocked five last night. They're just a good squad. And I think we caught them on the wrong night and everything was clicking for them. So, you know, I'm not going to take too many long-term conclusions from what I saw last night. Um, but I will say I was a little bit disappointed with the way we were shooting, and it's kind of just continuing the trend of, you know, all of the regression we're seeing across the board this year. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, so, I mean, my main takeaway was that, you know, I I, I think the offense obviously has looked – bad um all season and i think that coming in you know a lot of us would have kind of expected the offense to be a strength you know when when you're when you have guys like tyler hero and duncan robinson and goran Dragic, jimmy butler bam you could go down the list of guys who i mean jimmy butler and bam their main thing you know their main strengths aren't offensive strengths per se but there's enough talent on this roster enough shooting that i think we would have all expected this to be one of the better offenses in the league And that hasn't been the case, but the defense has been really, really good. So it was a little surprising to see the Pacers scored 120, uh, I'm sorry, 137 points. But I think it's one of those nights where you kind of just have to throw your hands up and realize like these guys are all NBA players for a reason. You know, they're the best at their craft or for a reason, getting paid millions of dollars to, to do what they do. So there's just going to be nights where everything is flowing for these guys because, like I said, they are really, really good. Um, I don't think that this is indicative of what would happen in, say, a series. The Pacers are an extremely average team, um, especially shooting-wise, and it felt like they couldn't miss from three. You know, they got a lot of dribble penetration from their guards and got to the paint, and it was just kind of curtains from there. Um, so it, I think the loss looks worse than 
it probably was on an average night. You know, I think that once we play the Pacers again tomorrow, that offense is not going to be that good. Um, I think going forward, this is more of a, you know, indicator of what might happen if the Heat are playing a team with a consistently good offense, because I don't know if the Heat will have the firepower to keep up. But I'm honestly not too concerned. I think this was just a hot night from the Pacers. And the Heat almost scored enough to win any other game. You know, they scored 110 points, um, given the bad games from other guys. So I'm actually not too worried. Mm-hmm. Angelina? Well, I just want to say this game gave me flashbacks to the Milwaukee game where we lost by 47, but that's besides the point. Um, this game, like Jake's mentioned, there were a lot of empty minutes considering Olenek played 32 minutes and only scored seven. Um, Kanan played 19, only scored seven. D-Rob played 31 and only scored six. And on the topic of empty minutes, I want to talk about how – bad our stats were honestly we shot 26 percent from three making nine out of the 36 attempted 44 from the field goal 41 out of the 92 attempted you know like those aren't stats you want to see coming from a team like this you know considering the players we have that put up high stats for the team like butler out of bio you know sometimes robinson puts up great stats for the team on certain games and you know this this isn't our team and we know that and we know we're gonna learn from this mistake and we're going to better ourselves for next time and another thing i want to touch on is we finally saw trevor ariza this is his first game in a miami heat uniform he played six minutes but got no points no rebounds and got two assists but i'm pretty sure we all saw the his first attempt at a shot but we're not going to talk about that um <laughs> it's um, been over first it's shot in been over miami heat history it's been over Wait, who else was talking? oh jake what'd you say Oh, I'm just saying, it's been over a year since he's touched the floor. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll give him that, honestly, but it was just like, I don't know, that was that was kind of funny. But another thing, you know, <laughs> with our stats and our record being 22-20, and 20, we're just over 500. The Hawks are catching up, you know. They're on a seven-game winning streak ever since they fired their head coach. And so that's we got to step up our game for that because they were i'm pretty sure they were just in like the ninth seeds like not too long ago you know they were 17 and 20 and now they're 21 and 20 like geez but we just got to make sure we step up our game because they're they're one game away from um leading us in the fourth seed and taking our spot but tonight they play the lakers so hopefully all goes well with that um and yeah that's all i really have to say about it and yeah that's pretty much it Mm mm-hmm and what about you, Greg? How do you feel? I mean, you guys wrapped it up pretty good, but, but it's the shooting stuff, man. Like, they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. 26% from three um, is is awful. And it's just like when you see the regression from all the three-point shooters, it's a team that lives and dies by the three. And right now they're dying by it um, in ways that last year they just um, – they they didn't, quite frankly. I mean, it's a situation where I think – to Brian's point earlier, like it's not indicative of what will happen in a playoff series. I mean, when you think about Indiana, they swept the Pacers in the playoffs last year, and I think they beat them in all regular season meetings as well. I think they played them three times. So they had beat them seven times in a row. And anybody who has followed Indiana, Miami throughout the years knows that that's not a series that like one team wins consecutive games, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 in a row. Uh, it's a pretty even 
um, matchup in terms of like the win loss stuff. So like the fact that the Heat had already beat them seven times, it was the Pacers were due to beat Miami, but it's the way they did it. Fifty eight percent from the from the three, um, and then you just the stuff that we keep talking about with this team. Um, if they, they don't fix the offense, I just don't know that they are good enough um, to compete with the top teams in the East. Indiana excluded. I just I, I don't see it fix the shooting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for sure, last night was definitely a hard game to watch, specifically because, so Angelina, you brought up the um, Bucks game. You know, for me, this was probably a worse loss than that because, okay, we didn't lose by 47. But at the same time, though, to be down by like 31 at one point and to have Jimmy and Bam both in the game, it was kind of hard to watch through that. Um, I do have high hopes for this next game. Another thing that makes me feel better, and I tweeted this out last night, is this is all happening less than a week before the trade deadline. So I don't know if that does trigger any ideas for Pat or if this inspires him to come up with any moves. But all I know is that there's no doubt that Pat was watching that game last night. So that's how I feel about it. You know, and then moving forward... With trade deadline coming around, it looks like there is still a few names that are out there. Um, so, Greg, I know you have like all the scoop. We've been talking about it for basically every podcast episode that's out. You know, is there any name that reaches out to you as a possible target for the Heat? Well, they're active, but it's a situation where um, they're they're in this weird spot where the expiring contracts that they thought we're going to be essentially just throw-ins into deals in order to bring back a high salary player. The players are actually ending up being vital rotation players like Iguodala and Olenek. And um, so it's complicating matters because like, although some of the names that we toss around, um, yes, like Oladipo for Olenek, like for instance, I'm just like throwing those two names out there. There's no question Oladipo is the sexier name, but like, can you really afford to trade for a high salary player now? And how do you make up for that? So I think that's what's kind of hurting the Heat right now is they're trying to figure out packages that aren't going to completely strip the team of all the depth that they have. Um, so kind of the guys that I'm looking at are. Um, some of the big men out there, I think that uh, they're going to look at some of the stretch fours. Harrison, I think the buyout market may be a bigger thing. Um, and it's just it's been really quiet. And I think that that's indicative of. Kind of Greg, you there? Did I lose you guys? Uh, you, yeah. you got muted for a second. You're good now. Oh, so. So, yeah, man, I mean, it, it's tough to completely. Um, hone in on exactly who they're targeting because they're very secretive. But but I think the usual suspects that you guys have heard in the in the media, um, the Spencer Dinwiddie stuff, I do not understand that at all. I think that that's like I I heard that they went as far as to check his medicals, and from my perspective, like um, I just don't understand why that would make any sense for this year. Uh, I think Boogie Cousins is still on the radar. I think Harrison Barnes is an interesting option, but ultimately I just don't know that they're going to sacrifice flexibility going forward. Oladipo is still, you know, obviously a name. 
Greg. That's weird. Uh, just, just to kind of. Um, no, go ahead. ahead. I, I was just gonna say, no, no, kind of, right kind of to go off of that. Um, that's definitely what I kind of expected at this point. Um, I, I just kind of wanted to bring up, uh, you know, the dilemma for this off season and how that might play into the deadline, Greg. So, obviously, you know, kind of the elephant in the room is is kind of the Duncan Robinson dilemma, where you know Joe Harris just can't, you know he just got a forty year, seventy five million dollar contract. And obviously, Duncan isn't producing like he did last year, but you'd have to imagine he's going to try to command similar money. Oh, uh, sure. and, if he, and if he gets too much less than Joe Harris, I mean, his agent, you know, should be held liable because that's, you know, Duncan Robinson is that level of player in the long term for sure. So that's why I really kind of wanted to see us, you know, make a bigger move now. Um, obviously, with the way the cap works, if we were to make a move now, we'd be able to sign Duncan over the cap, but once we sign him, it kind of limits the moves we're going to be able to make. Um, obviously, I, I know Riley's big, you know, grand scheme in the past, and you know, even this, even as, as recent as this off season, this past off season, has been to bring in a whale. And I think now, I, I guess my question to you, Greg, is: Do you think that the whale dream is kind of over, or do you think, you know, maybe Riley's just planning something bigger in the long term? Um, and I only ask that because I think you tweeted it yesterday. Um, we're at the point now where if we don't really make a big move, we're pretty much locking ourselves into this core long term. Uh, Greg, you're there? Yeah, no, you make a great point. Uh, I, can you guys hear me? Uh, yes. yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't that I think you're onto something. I don't think Riley has some master plan where he's uh, has some other superstar up his sleeve that he's waiting for. I think that obviously me being the Riley guy and the hope trafficker, like maybe somebody would expect that that's the route that I would go. And I think that the flexibility that Miami gained by trading Justice Winslow with JJ and Dion for Iggy and Jay Crowder, that flexibility was always time sensitive. It was based on last offseason, which was a complete flop. And then it was based on what you were going to do with the flex in 2021. And so I think that there's been a couple curveballs that the front office maybe didn't anticipate. I think it's a good problem to have that band is good enough to, uh, to command a max extension. Um, I don't think anybody should like get on that dude for taking that max extension. He was worth every penny. Um, and I know the fan base was a little split on the timing of, it, but like the fact that he's good enough to get that um, is is uh, is a good problem to have. But now we at this spot, and you just hit on it, man. Contract? Are you really going to pay Duncan Robinson the way you pay JJ? And I, they've been reluctant to do that. Um, and I just think that they're they're faced with a really tough call because, um, like Duncan Robinson's skill set is so elite. But at some point, you got to ask yourself, like, if you don't have an. Oh, Greg, you're uh, there? Okay. Yeah, it looks like the audio sh- keeps cutting in and off. Keep going. Creator on the roster other than Jimmy and Bam is developing, but unless you get more shot creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I just want to expand on that. Um... I think that they really, really have to consider not only what Duncan is going to get, but I'm I'm pretty certain that a guy like Nunn 
can get a decent size offer. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks came in and said, hey, Kendrick Nunn, do you want 13, between 13 and 15 million dollars, right? So it's not just paying one of, you know, it's not just like the Duncan contract or the Nunn contract. It's I, I kind of look at them combined. And if you're paying essentially a max contract for the both of them, you know, that is going to screw your flexibility going forward. I know that they would have the same cap pull throughout uh, this next season, but then that following off season, those con- or those cap holds, I believe, are going to be the value that you paid them, right? Which means that you can't really do much unless you're going to move them anyway. So I feel like it would make sense to just move them the year before when they have peak value. Um you know, I, I honestly think that you can I, I honestly feel like when you look at a guy like Duncan, right, obviously he has an elite skill set, but it also has to, you know, be taken into consideration that you can find a guy like JJ Reddick or Wayne Ellington to replace that skill set. And it may not it might not be be exactly the same, but if you can get those guys for a fraction of the price and they can replace eighty percent of that production, I think that you have to consider seriously moving Duncan. Um and with a guy like Hendrick Nunn, you know, he's basically he, – he's essentially just a scoring guard, which there's a million of in today's NBA. Um, so I really, really think that, you know, you you have to consider can you get a facsimile of these guys for a fraction of the price, move a Duncan Robinson or a Kendrick Nunn, or even, you know, like Greg mentioned, you know, you, you have these rotation guys that you don't necessarily want to move. But I think you even have to look at a KO, who Jimmy loves and who I don't expect to move because of – you know, Jimmy's respect for him. But I think you have to say, like, can we move KO and bring in a Bielitsa and essentially be fine? Personally, I think the answer is yes. I don't know their feelings on it. I have no inside information. But I think that those things have to be a serious consideration is, you know, again, can we move these dudes and find cheaper, similar production somewhere else? Yeah. You know what? Like, the Heat have struggled Oh, great. This actually, if you really think about it, um, they, they it, am I cutting out on you guys? Uh, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think I got, did you, did you say that they've been struggling without KO? No, that they've been struggling with this exact thing in terms of like, when do you trade a guy and when do you keep a guy? You know what I mean? And like um, selling high has not been a strength of the franchise. And, um, but when you're trying to win, it's very difficult to know the moment when you're actually selling highest and when that makes sense. And there's not a lot of teams actually that really do it and exemplify what I think the fan base want the team to do because it's not a, it's not an easy thing to evaluate. Yeah, I would agree with that as of late. But, you know, I'm looking at, you know, I'm 24 years old. My entire life has been filled with moments where Pat Riley sold guys at the right time. Um, going even back to when I was a little kid and the Glenn Rice trade and, and being able to acquire Zoe. Yeah, Glenn Rice was a really, really good player. And his best basketball was actually after he left, you know, the Heat for the most part. But, um, you know, we brought in Zoe. And then, you know, a few years later, you know, we get, we get D Wade. We have a nice young core. And Riley says, you know what? We need to bring in a star to, to you know, to complement D Wade. And a lot of people at the time, um, were a little bit skeptical of us trading Karan Butler and Lamar Odom, and obviously, you know, Grant and Picks, but, you know, those two players, Butler and Odom, for good reason, were exuding potential. 
Um, they were hot assets, and we traded both of them in a deal that ultimately brought, I, I believe, a 32-year-old big man at the time over here. And yes, Shaq was still producing, but there were people that you know were looking long-term and thought that this core, this young core with Wade, Butler, and Odom, that could have dominated for a long time. And obviously, looking back, you know, that was a no-brainer move. And it, you know, I don't know how if we win anything with that young core we, that we had at the time. So, for me, it's a little troubling that now is. You know, we're starting to see this trend that's kind of in reverse where we're holding guys when in reality selling them high would be the ultimate move. You know, just looking at the Harden opportunity, I'm not in the details like, you know, like you are, Greg. um, But my knowledge was that we were we would have been able to acquire Harden without giving up Jimmy and Bam. And to me, that's you know, that would be the most Pat Riley move ever. So it's it's kind of upsetting he didn't make it. But I, I know that, you know, his grand scheme. In my, whatever he has it planned is is, is going to be good. I just hope that we end up getting someone to bring in to complement Jimmy and Bam. So I I, I do want to just jump in with the Glenn Rice and the Shaq thing because a lot of people bring those trade or trades up. Uh, I think the Glenn Rice thing. I don't know. I'm 23. I don't I don't even know if I was alive when <laughs> Zo originally got traded. But we're talking about things like decades ago yeah the league you know? was different the salary cap was different listen i cried when glenn rice got traded for a lot of morning and i ain't even lying to y'all like literally like 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 i i shed tears i was so upset i hated <laughs> pat riley because he traded glenn rice glenn rice was my favorite player and i learned quickly to start trusting the dude um but like l- there's a misconception out here and um and this is information that uh ethan skull like I received directly from the Heat front office is that they could not have acquired um, James' package that they were willing to give because the package, uh, the really the name of the game for Houston in that trade. Oh, um, Greg, can you say that one more time, real quick? I think the audio um cut off a little bit. That last um sentence. I, 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 the the Heat did not have enough um draft capital to make that package work for for houston and they that's why they ultimately went with the other package that had more pick swaps more first round picks and whatnot um we we received from a really a really high-ranking heat official that like if they could have made the james harden trade they would have made that trade and so i I think that that just needs to be clarified and broadcasted as as loud as possible i just don't think there's another shack trade to be made at the moment I think that they are absolutely willing to go all in on the Bradley Beals of the world. Um, and if any other superstar becomes available uh, that Jimmy would vibe with, uh, then I think that they're, that they're still – that card and stuff is way overblown. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, moving forward, you know, and that's a lot of great points you brought up on Greg. So, like, real quick, I want to um, ask you a question that one of the fans wanted to ask. Um, so one person wants to ask, what's more of a priority at the deadline? An upgrade at the four or an upgrade at the guard? Uh, from everything I've heard, it's an upgrade at the four. Although it it may look at Ariza as a guy who can plug and play at that spot and maybe they'll pivot to the court, but the backcourt's crowded enough. So I'm going to stick to what I've consistently heard. And that was there looking for a stretch big next to him. Mm -hmm. And then another person wants to ask is how willing are we to get rid of our assets to win right now? 
Uh, like I said, if there's a Bradley Beal to be had, they're going to make the trade. If there's another free, uh, another superstar that becomes available, they're uh, Greg, you're breaking up right now. The trade, it, the draft pick scenario, it's another conversation we can have, and I'm sure Brian will have some strong... Uh, is- Oh, Greg? Can you guys hear me? Man, yeah, right my now. internet like looks like it's completely fine. <laughs> it, uh, when, you, when your thing pops up, it says that your bandwidth is low. I mean, I don't even know how to fix that. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say one thing off that comment, Greg. So, for me, I look at this team as it's not, we don't, I, I don't really necessarily think we need a whale. I don't think we need – yeah, of course, if we could get Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, I mean, we're instant you know, finals favorites in my opinion. But for me at this point, I, I would not mind if, if we cashed in not all of our assets but a good amount of them and got a guy like John Collins, got a guy like Vooch. And honestly, right now, I'm not sure if we do have the assets for those guys because I'm sure they, they're commanding a lot. Um, but you know, I'm thinking if we were to get either one of those guys that stretch the floor and you know can create offense at will, that changes the whole face of the team. And guys like Bam, you know, although he can score at a very efficient, very high rate, wouldn't really feel the pressure to go out there and take a bunch of shots. And he can, he probably if we had Vucevic or Collins, I can see him shooting like 65, 70 percent from the field, and he would be eating. And I think you know something like that could could really make us a whole new team. And and I, I know we, we've been linked to them a little bit, but is there any traction whatsoever with guys of that of that kind? Or do you think you know we're, we're just really trying to reserve this these kind of moves for like later, maybe next off season? The Heat love Vooch. Oh, Greg. Question about that? Um, they might break it up again. Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me clearly now? Yes. Now. Yeah. Man, whoever has to. Um. Keep this, that's a mess. Um. Bitch. Um. But I don't think that they have enough draft picks to get that done. Like Orlando would need a package that is just through the moon. Um. And I, I just don't think Miami's going to go there. John Collins is an interesting scenario because like he's on the same kind of like Duncan Robinson rookie contract kind of situation. So maybe there's could there be a swap there? Well, how, what do you guys think about a Duncan Robinson, John Collins type swap? I mean, I'd be fine with it. What about you guys? I love it. I, I, I love me some Duncan. I love me some Duncan Robinson. And I'll be sad, obviously, because I've been the biggest Duncan Robinson fan and apologist on Twitter, probably. But for for John Collins, yeah, you, you take you take a swing at it. You have you can get another shooter somewhere, even on your own roster. You have Max Strews, maybe give him an elevated role. So I, I'd be okay with it. I'd be a lot more comfortable paying John Collins long term, big money. You know, given his age and his ceiling. I'd be a lot more comfortable paying him that money than Duncan at this point, so I'd be. Cool but you also it. paying John Collins a lot more than you're paying Duncan Robinson, right? Yeah, I, you're I probably it's paying a, him a hundred million dollars. More. Yeah, you're talking about near max money. Yeah, definitely. I still would pay it. <laughs> I like him a lot. I think he'd be a really good fit here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I feel like Miami runs on Duncan. We all know that, but it's just the stats that like he's been putting up recently aren't 
really helping the team. Of course, like they help contribute something to the team. I mean, every player has something to contribute, but I feel like with his inconsistent stats, considering how well he played last season and the stats he put up last season within three point percentages, rebounds, points, etc. I feel like John Collins would be a great, like, not replacement, well, yeah, replacement, but even if we weren't to get someone like John Collins, we would always have Max Struess as a backup. He's not as good yet, but he's up, he's getting up there. So it's not like we'd be left in the dust with a, no good three-point shooters on our team. So, I mean, John Collins right now is shooting 37.5% from three, and last year he shot 40%, so... I mean that's that's not that's yeah. nothing to sneeze Even at. Even unlimited attempts, he still can hit him, and you could trade for maybe like a Wayne Ellington. Um, you know what I mean to like replace some of what Duncan would, uh, what you'd lose in Duncan shooting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the I think there's been reports that the uh, Pelicans want to buy out JJ Redick. So I mean you you trade for John Collins and get JJ Redick, and I think you're totally fine with shooting. Uh, he is going to be expensive. You know, let's just say a hundred for four years. Um, that comes out to about 25 per, you know, but let's say that Duncan is get is going to get his 20, you know, you're only talking about paying five mil per more per year for John Collins than Duncan Robinson. And I think that's a no brainer swap. Right. But the, the question here is, is you get John Collins, you sign him to that, that near max money. And basically the heater done with big moves after that and you got to be okay with the core of jimmy brother right. bam Adebayo, john collins You're right. the question is if, if the heat is okay with that and us are, as fans are we okay with that no and fans aren't okay with it yeah <laughs> i tell you that right now they want more stars more 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 right because that's it you get john collins and that's pretty much it right yeah so i i I mean, and that, that's the big thing, right? It's like, do we want to lock ourselves into those that big three? I, I, but, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I think that they would already lock themselves in, into a roster if it's like Bam, Jimmy, D-Rob, and none. Um, I think that, hypothetically, John Collins is easier to move if you need to make, you know, room. Uh, you know, whether it's you know, in free agency or let's say some star becomes available and you need to, you need to trade someone, you know, either to match salary or because, you know, like, let's just say the Washington Wizards are going to move Bradley Beal and they're like, Hey, what do you have to offer? I think it's a pretty damn good thing to walk in there and say, you know, we have, we have John Collins, we can give you plus other stuff. Um, So I think that kind of is also where his value lies. But again, again, yeah, it's a lot of money and, I don't know that a trio of Jimmy, Bam, and John Collins would, you know, compete with the best in the NBA. They'd be really good, though. That's that's for damn sure. They'd be better than they right. are now. Yeah, here's, here's another name that I've been screaming to high heavens for the last two podcasts is Let me scream it just, make, just make the move for Victor Oladipo. <laughs> just, I, I personally, like I, I said this, I don't have any insight, obviously. My is a speculation on my end. Maybe Pat is usually that guy that makes a move at the deadline instead of a week or two before. So he's just looking at the entire landscape of the NBA before going for a Victor Oladipo trade. Um, we know Victor Oladipo wants to be in Miami. We know we know that for a fact with the, the way he's been at talking and acting and all the sources from Oladipo side. And one thing I wanted to actually ask you about this, Greg. We know Oladipo to Miami interest, but 
how how is it for Miami the other way around? How does the front office feel about it, Oladipo? So l- last year, Miami, the the front office, I felt was puffing their chest out a little bit, and Oladipo was like Plan C. And I think if you ask them now, it would be a little bit different. I actually. Um, my gut feeling is they actually trade for Oladipo by the deadline. I think that they have incentive to do that because they can't really rely on sign and trades this summer because if they sign and trade, they immediately are hard capped and then they won't be able to retain Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, even as their own free agents, because they can't go over that hard cap. So I, I think there's incentive for them to trade for Oladipo now. And I think that that is something that if I had to predict, if I had to put my money somewhere, I think Oladipo ends up in Miami by the line. Right. So Oladipo, like he, I think he probably like people have been saying that and it's just been weird to me how Kendrick Nunn, when he was in the, on his high, they were like, oh, he's just as good as Oladipo or just maybe a notch lower, but he's cheaper and all that. And he stays healthy. But there's a massive, massive, massive gap between Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Nunn and Victor Oladipo, in my opinion. And I don't understand people that would rather keep Kendrick Nunn and Kelly Olynyk if it comes down to it, because Oladipo is automatically the best defensive guard on the team, in my opinion. So there's just no no comparison there, and I don't see why people do that on Twitter. I think I Jimmy think, would rather have Kyle Lowry, though. I think I'd I rather agree. have Kyle Lowry. I, I know they have a they have a good friendship, right? They do, and and from all indications, uh, like last year during the playoffs, we were talking pretty closely with some of Jimmy's um, uh, close confidants, and and they talked a lot about how Lowry and Drew Holiday were like Jimmy's dudes, and Oladipo was not one of those dudes. But you know, obviously, that's you know, it's it's hearsay for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I really like the sound of bringing in Kyle Lowry, and you know, he'd probably be our starting one, and then having a you know guards of heat him and Dragic and, and honestly Dragic and him could definitely play together you know Goran has had plenty of experience playing off the ball at a high level um but I, I just think that would be a perfect fit someone that comes in you know really on all side you know in all areas is an improvement over none um you know I like Hendrick Nunn and I think that you know a lot of fans give him a really hard time for he's actually he's actually you know a damn good player um albeit a bit inconsistent but I I do think that you know, based on what everyone's been saying, and I fully agree with the sentiment that the time to make a deal that would include a guy like Kendrick Nunn is now. Um, I, I, I would agree that I would rather see Lowry over Oladipo, uh, mainly just because of, you know, Oladipo scares me. Um, you know, he's shooting, I think, a little bit below 40% in his games with Houston. And I think that would definitely improve because I think he's just shooting at will there. And, you know, he'd come here and get, and get better looks at, a, you know, at a lower you know, he would shoot less, so obviously by nature his percentage would go up. But it, I don't know. The injuries just really, really bother me from him. You know, he's certainly not going to be an all-star, at least in my opinion again. I don't know if he has the burst or, you know, the durability to, to be at that level. If we got him, I'm certainly going to be happy, and I certainly will expect more from this team with him. But I, I'm even though he's already 35, I would rather see Lowry for sure. Right, but Oladipo, you kind of – he has to do – and take all these shots and exert all this energy in Houston. In Miami, he can play off Jimmy and Bam, and I think that's better for him health-wise too because he doesn't have to exert himself as much, in my opinion. And I, personally, if I make the if I had to make a prediction, 
or maybe just the move that I would like to see is sign Victor Oladipo and explore uh, the buyout market for the Marcus Aldridge, get those two in, and I think that he have a chance to at least give these top teams in the East a fight. I'm not going to say they're going to beat them, but at least give them a fight. Yeah, um, personally, I think that Lowry is a better player than Oladipo. I think Oladipo has a higher ceiling, though. Like I, I know that he's struggling in Houston, but everyone knows he doesn't want to be there. Everyone knows mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be in Indiana. Like, I, I honestly think that there's just going to be improvement because of intrinsic motivation in a place that he's been trying to play for for years. Um, you know, I, I honestly think we could see the best version of Victor Oladipo, like we have for many players. Uh, in, in Miami, so I can't I, believe I, Brian's talking about intangibles right now. Wow. No, 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 no. <laughs> see, all right. So, so the thing is, I, I'm realistic with my takes. I'm I'm not a homer, so when I say stuff, you know, I, I'm coming from a realistic point of view. It sometimes that that sounds, you know, not uh, not great. You know, like I'm not taking things like intangibles into account, but it's sports are ultimately a human, a human endeavor, right? So intangibles are a huge factor in this, you know, like, like any job, if you don't want to be there, your performance is going to suffer. You know, we, we've all been there just in life. I didn't know you had it in you. But thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) But but yeah, Kyle Lowry would cost a lot more than Victor Oladipo, right? Yeah, he would. He would. Absolutely. Um, Granted, I think that the Raptors would would do right by him, and if he wanted to be in Miami, I think the price is different versus like if he was just asking out regularly, or if they were just if they were just approaching it as if you know he was just another target. But yeah, I think I think that Kyle Lowry just by virtue of being a better player now would would cost more money. Right. Well, also, you know, Oladipo is not resigning there, so the clock is ticking, and everyone you know everyone knows. You know, yeah. he's probably he's, he's got two more months as a rocket, regardless. So I, mean, I don't think his price is very high. Windhorst said on his podcast, two second round picks may end up being the final cost, and it's like at that point, wow. yo, like just trade for the man and let's see what happens. <laughs> it's just basically filler in the seconds, right? Yeah, essentially, yeah, match salary, which that's what I meant when I said, spoke at the beginning of the podcast about what's become a dilemma for the Heat is that, like, the salary matches are rotation players, and they didn't expect that. They truthfully thought that a lot of these big salary guys, Iguodala even, they thought was just going to be a throw-in, and now he's obviously a, a contributor. So who are you sending out, Greg, for, for Oladipo if you had to pick? If you say KZ Apollo, we're going to have problems, Greg. Well, yeah, no, KZ is in the deal. Houston likes KZ, and um, they the Heat could have got P.J. Tucker if they were willing to, to put KZ in the deal, but they got Trevor Ariza much cheaper. Um, I'm thinking, so what do we got to get to? We got to get to $19 million or so, maybe even less than that. 20, um, I thought it was 21 Yeah, yeah. I, I think, but you only have to come within a certain percentage of the salary right. to, to get there, so I, it may be less than 19 actually. I'm thinking something in the neighborhood of like Iguodala – none and um and picks um and i don't know what picks means but like some some draft compensation uh and then see if anybody's offering anything better i'll ask i'll pose this question to the group worst case well not worst case scenario but let's just say you had to put duncan in the deal to get oladipo do you do that no i wouldn't no oh you know know what though I, I, I don't I, I wouldn't 
at, that, at face value, I wouldn't. But if you're talking, you know, at that point, if J.J. Reddick gets bought out, I mean, if you've ever listened to Old Man and the Three Pod, which, by the way, listeners, if you had it, that is a great podcast. He loves he the loves, heat. He loves the Miami Heat. I, I really he think Jimmy he would Butler. come here. Loves Jimmy. He loves all of the players in the Heat. So I, I think, he, you know, if we could, if we could it, you know, trade Duncan for him and maybe add filler, and that's all it takes to get Oladipo and we can save some picks, and then we were to be able to get J.J. Redick, I don't hate it. Okay, but if you trade Duncan without locking him in, without locking, locking Oladipo in long term, you're trading Duncan Robinson for a rental for two months to see what happens. Well, yeah, but Duncan, I mean, I think you'd have to, obviously, Oladipo wants to be in Miami, so there'd be a, an understanding. They could do like there. an Iguodala situation, maybe, where trade for him oh. and sign an extension. Hey, when they traded Glenn Rice for Zoe, they didn't have any commitment from Alonzo Mourning. He was going to be a free agent, and they kept him. Um, and Shaq also was going to be an impending free agent when they emptied the clip for him, too. And uh, Goran Dragic, as well, was also going to be a free agent. So uh, Riley, and I know we always say Riley's doing all these deals. Just to clarify, Andy's doing all the work, just so you guys know. Like, Pat's chilling, and Pat's signing off on stuff, but Andy is the man who's doing all the work. Yeah, Ellisberg's a hero. He's one of the most unsung heroes in, in probably all of the NBA. For real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Thorne and Duncan. I, Duncan and Nunn sounds kind of, like kind of a steep price. Uh, I just think if you wait long enough, you're not going to have to kill it, Duncan. Like, yeah, uh, Houston's going to figure out really quick that they're not going to get what they want for Old Depot. And but the I, I, it's I um- Oh, no, I was going to say, I think if it came down to it, like, last minute of the trade deadline and they had to do it, I, I guess I would if there was nothing else I could get for both Duncan and Nunn. And then I'd just look at the look at the bio market and see if I could replace him. But I would be fighting very, very hard to keep Duncan out of that deal. Greg, you mentioned Iguodala and it's a part of the trade. You, you put Iguodala before you put in Kelly? Uh, I think so, just because right now, like, the, the spot next to Bam is so in flux that I don't think you can further fracture what you got going on up there. It is not working out. The Jay Crowder replacement thing is has been a mess, it was a complete mess in the offseason. And... Greg, you there? So you can't also exit Kelly out of the... It's just a bigger hole to fill. I think, you know... We, we, we have now Riza can more easily fill Iguodala's role than he can Kelly's. And, and, you know, I said this in the last pod, but we would need someone to go next to Bam. We don't have the depth. I don't, you know, I, I can't trust Chris Silva. And, and it's hard to say at times I can't trust Achua in big moments. So at least, yeah, I think Precious is getting there. But right now, Kelly, I think, serves a bigger role. And, and you know, if we were to get rid of Iggy, it's almost a little bit more replaceable for us. Mm-hmm. Right. I think Precious ultimately is going to end up in a package at some point. They're going to see that he can't fit next to Bam, and at some point, like, you can cash him in for a starter that will be able to. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Mm-hmm. Feels like the first time they kind of missed on a pick in a while. Yeah, I mean, he may be a good player, but to Brian's point, does he fit next to that's the question and I feel like if you were going to go with a big in the first round and keep the pick and not trade down and not do anything else and you're going to go with a big pick one that you know is going to fit next to Bam and maybe like with his development he will but so far we haven't seen it I I think a big motive in picking him was 
Pat was looking at maybe some of the holes in the team, and he was thinking, okay, you know, when Bam's off the floor, I want a guy that can switch. I want a guy that can, you know, can do pick and rolls and, you know, keep that athleticism up. And he's similar to Bam. I mean, that, that comparison's undeniable. But as you guys said, long term, you know, we didn't draft a guy to, to be a starter on this team. I think we, we drafted him for the short-term need of, you know, another energy guy off the bench. I don't think we missed on the pick. I think that there might have been a better fit at that pick, but I still think his value will be there. And I think that, you know, the hype of him still becoming a, a Bam-esque type player still will be there. But I, I do agree with the thought that he, he, will, he will likely end up in a package. And then again, like even with trade deadlines coming up, like if we were to pick up a new player, like let's say we do pick up Oladipo, maybe a two will play great next to him. You never know. Like it just takes a trader to go to another team for a player to really gel well, better with the players on that team, maybe better than their last because they can learn a lot of different techniques and strategies that maybe they couldn't unleash with their other team and they really play to their full potential and play their best basketball. Like sure. Jimmy, he's playing his best basketball on the Heat when rather than he was with the Bulls or the Sixers, you know. So even just, Jay Crowder, like we felt like he was a throw-in. And to your point, like he was maximized in Miami. So all it takes is one trade. You're really right about that. Exactly. Thank mm-hmm. you. So then, with that being said, you know it's almost time to close it out. But before we do, it's time to play the game that we played last pod, and that's none other than grade that trade. So to those who are tuning in for the first time, if you don't know how this works, we asked Heat Twitter to give us some trade ideas. Some of them are really wild to look at. Some of them seem pretty good. But now we're going to ask our judges here to grade these trades and we'll see if it's something that Pat Riley should even consider doing. So without further ado, let's look at the first trade idea someone brought up. So this isn't actually a player I think we talked about, um, but still, why not? So this is Heat Raptors. It's not Kyle Lowry, but you have the Miami Heat acquiring Norman Powell. And in exchange for that, Miami gives to Toronto Avery Bradley, Maurice Har- Mo Harkless, and Kendrick Nunn, and a 2025 first-round pick. What do we grade No. That? That's an S. No. no. Way, you know we got to You know, you know you'd have to pay Norman Powell, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like not any of y'all. Y'all, y'all didn't propose this trade, but like, <laughs> isn't he up for a contract this summer? I believe. I so. think Let so. See. It says. So here, it's like. Yeah, so you'd have has, to ask your. Yeah, yeah. He's, no, so that's here. He like, has, do you want your big three? The third. Third guy to be Norman Powell. <laughs> I have a feeling that trade's a I mean, joke, but at the same time, probably not. Come on, no, dude. This guy has to be trolling. It's See, not. I don't care about any of those players, honestly, especially Kendrick Nunn. He could go for a bag of chips. Um, <laughs> but I'm not giving up a first for Norman Powell. They can find a Norman Powell in, in the G League. <laughs> Hear me out. They cannot find a – I don't like the trade. I think it's too much. Before you said the first, I actually like the trade, but the first, I think, pushes me over the edge. Let's not forget – um, Norman Powell is the most slept on player in the league. I'm a big fan of his. So first off, he's almost at 20 points a game. He's shooting. This is not, this is not an exaggeration. 45% from three off of six and a half attempts. This man is really, really good. Is he, do I want him to be my, you know, in a big three? No, I definitely don't, but I wouldn't sneeze at, at Norman Powell. If we acquired him, 
I would absolutely love it. I just, yeah, that package is... Yeah, you have to acquire him if, you, if you're planning just for this season, because then you have to pay him. And no thank you. Yeah, he but goes, those uh, numbers, he, yeah, I take it back. He's actually he's really fire. Good. Yeah. He's, he's fire and a great defender, so I, I'm taking him. But it's a it's a lot to it's a lot right to this offer. year. But like, are we worried about contract year? Yeah, oh yeah, no, 100. percent It's a contract year for him. Yeah, he's 27, so. Mm-hmm. Eh. I give it a D minus F just for that. He's not worth a first round pick. But Mo Harkless, we can he can go. Aver Bradley, he's been injured for like two months. But anyway. That's... So we got D minus from Angelina. What are the other grades? F minus. <laughs> I give him a zero, actually. A zero. Incomplete. Just throw the whole trade away. Make I, give him like a I give it a C. I, like, I give just it a C. Ha- just hand him the paper and make him redo it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we handed that trade back to this dude. Yeah. I'm not, obviously, I won't say the name. But yeah. So here Unless comes... it gets an A from all of us, then we can give him yeah. a shout out. So anyways, next trade. We have the Heat trading with the Orlando Magic. Um, we got the Heat acquiring Nikola Vucevic. And in return, Miami gives Orlando Iguodala, Olinik, Hero, and a first-round pick. B+. Plus. Oh, right. That's a tough one. Man, that's a difficult one. You know, I'm going to go B. I mean, you're trading an all-star for Olenek, Iguodala, and Hero. Iguodala's on his way out anyways. Olenek's contract's expiring. And Hero, we, he can't we, be we don't know what, We don't know what Tyler Hero's value is right now because of just how bad he's been doing. Um, In my opinion, he, like, I don't want to say peaked because he, he has not peaked whatsoever, but he got recognized too quickly and his reputation, like, spiked too quickly and people now expect so much from him and they expect him to do all these great things like they think he's like Jordan in his prime in his rookie year like no that's not how it works he has a lot more to improve on and build on it but like people think he's the be all end all for a team like I will never forgive the people that didn't want to give up him and Robinson for Harden like that will haunt me forever in my nightmares I swear to god but either, yeah, way, I, it was, either way, it wasn't getting it done. But yeah, the people that wanted that, that didn't want to do that, yeah, they 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 have a special place somewhere for them. Yeah. <laughs> for the Heat, I feel like that's a move that they make. I don't know if it's a move that the Magic would make. That seems like a not very much. To, I mean, Tyler Hero obviously is a the perception is how much they value him, right? Yeah, I mean the perception I think from the fans is ahead of the player right now. But you know, don't don't make any mistake. Tyler Hero is a is a damn good player with a pretty high. Like he's only twenty one. Like he has a lot of he's time a lot of to grow and get So young already. Yeah. Uh, with all he's done at his age, it's crazy. Not many. I, well, Lamelo Ball, but I mean, I was gonna say not many people can say that they've done that. But yeah, I just I just feel like the Magic would need more to give up Vooch. I mean, given how good he is, yeah. and given the they're, fact they're that they're gonna be able to. Oh. Uh, he cut out, Greg. Sorry, did I lose you guys? Yeah. Yeah. My bad. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to say, I think the Magic, if they trade Vucevic, they're going to want a package that they can go brag around the league about, and I don't think that that package has enough draft picks to brag about. Absolutely. Plus, like, you have to consider that draft pick is going to be worthless if the Heat have Vooch. You know, Jimmy, Bam, and Vooch is is going to yeah. be a damn good team, and that, t- that pick is going to be somewhere in the 20s, and it's just not going to be all that. So. Mm-hmm. And do you want to trade Vucevic to your in-state rival? 
also that's another yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you don't want to see that guy four times a year. Yeah. <laughs> I give it an A though because I love it. <laughs> it's great I for the Heat. It, I mean, it's we really, all know it's really good for Miami. Yeah, they would do that yesterday if it, <laughs> if it was yeah, on the right. table. Not realistic though. I agree. Yeah. All right, so then. Let's look into this next one. I personally don't know how to. Feel Can you about believe it. they almost had him with big three? <laughs> Did they? What, what oh, that... nuts! Oh, that's right. I heard something about that. I don't know the specific details, but I heard that they they almost did. It might have been enough to keep LeBron. To keep LeBron, he'd be like, "Oh man, I got Chris Bosh and Vooch in the front court. That's that's pretty nice." On a rookie contract too, it was going to be so perfect, and then at the uh, last minute, it fell apart. Oh, uh, anyway, I digress. Oh. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, let's not think about that one. Um, <laughs> so this next trade, I don't know how to feel about this one. Um, you have Miami, so they also allow you to sign players in this as well. So they have Miami acquiring Demar Derozan and Trey Jones while signing Lamarcus Aldridge via buyout, and then in return, San Antonio gets. Iguodala, Olinick, Robinson, Achua, a second round pick in 2022 and a first rounder. I don't think San wow. Antonio would. I don't know if they would trade DeMar for just uh, D Rob and a couple of second round picks. Is he a free agent at the end of this year or is that next year? He, he is. This year, right? This year. Oh. He's, he's he an expiring. He's probably going to walk. That, that, yeah. That's what makes it interesting is that I don't know if. San- yeah. Wow. But anyway, ah, what do we want to grade this trade? Like a oh, that's hard. It's it's good, but it's like, do you risk all of that for those players? I mean, Demar Derozan, Lamarcus Aldridge. Lamarcus Aldridge is already in the conversation with us, though. I would I do give it, it a for... B minus out of my loyalty for Duncan Robinson. <laughs> yeah, if you're Miami, I think you do that trade. I just. Don't know. I don't know what Demar's value is. I feel like he get more um, through trade. I just don't know. But you and know, San Antonio also has to pay Duncan Robinson. You got to think about they, that. They they also do have to pay Duncan Robinson. I don't know. I don't know that they would want to pay Duncan Robinson because what's because you know Clutch Clutch has mentioned this before. Uh, Clutch Adam. He like what's Duncan Robinson doing on the Spurs? Yeah, he's got to go to a contender. Right. He's got to go to a team where he can play off stars. Yeah, so I, I just don't know what the real value is outside of the picks, and I feel like you could probably get better picks uh, if you're the Spurs for DeMar. So, yeah. yeah, I guess from the Heat perspective, I'd probably give it, like, a B. A B to an A. Just... I'll give it a B range, like B minus, B plus, like maybe in the, like an 85. I'll put it yeah. in there. Like I said, I, I just I just wouldn't expect the Spurs to seriously consider that trade. Most of these trades are unrealistic, but it's just fun and funny, I guess. Like most of them are just like like the universe would have to freaking end. So, no like, Lonzo Ball I, trades. Yeah, Lonzo Ball is Lonzo Ball. We should be talking about him. Listen, that dude is balling. He would be so perfect. Like I I don't know why. Loves him. Yeah. Well, then patch a trade for him. Listen, that lame. dude's gonna be—he's gonna be out anyway. Like, do a Nun and D Rob for Lonzo and and uh, JJ Redick move. We're good. Oh, I have not heard that one yet. That Aren't the Clippers heavily like. trying to pursue Lonzo? Yeah, they don't, they don't have, have, don't have anything. For him. Yeah, but they, yeah, they don't have anything. They want him, but they don't have anything. No, nope. it's a dark horse move, Brian, which you just mentioned—that Lonzo Ball 
JJ Reddick stuff. That's a dark horse move. Seriously. I hope so. I hope so, because I, I feel like that just makes sense. Like, you're going to have to pay Lonzo at the end of the year, sure, but you have to pay Duncan Robinson and Kendrick and Nunn, too. So it's not like – plus, Lonzo Ball, one, would he maximize in Miami. Two, would help to maximize Bam. Could you imagine the amount of lobs that he would be throwing? Like, that that would be fun as hell to watch. Three, like, he's another guy where going forward, if you need to move the money, he's young enough and talented enough that his team is going to want it. I know that they're interested in Lonzo when – you know, he he was coming up. They didn't, they didn't have the position to get him in the draft, obviously. But you know, it, it, I am so high on Lonzo, man, and he could shoot. Like, what is there to not like? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> he, people are stuck in the past, and his expectations were so high, and he didn't reach him at first. But we're talking about a brand new player this year. I think he adjusted his shot mechanics a little bit in the off season, and a little bit last year he was looking better too. But right now, he's shooting thirty nine percent from three, which is what Dun- Duncan Robinson's shooting, by the way. And he's, he's on eight attempts a game. Um, so his shooting is definitely there. And, and, you know, he's a guy that can switch one to three, maybe one to four, depending on the guy. That's a guy you want playing big minutes in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's a, you know, I think he's what, six, six. You know, he's a tank. And I, I think that on all levels, and of course his elite vision, um, it changes the course of our team. Uh, I think that would be a move that I'm not really sure what they're looking for. Obviously, he's expiring, so maybe his you know his value is a little lower. Um, I, I would for sure do that move, and I, I would you know I, I love the sound of bringing in JJ Redick as well. Um, I, I'm always high on him, so I, I like that. That, that. I would give that trade an A, Brian. Plus, <laughs> the only negative is we have to bring in uh, Levar. That is true, but I, I, I was going to say with the amount of switching that the Heat do, you know, a lot of times you, you, one of our guards will get switched on to a bigger guy in the post. I'm a lot more comfortable with 6'6 Lonzo getting switched onto a big than I am with any of our current guards. So I think that, you know, obviously while that matchup still isn't ideal, I think it becomes less of a problem going forward uh, than it is now, yeah. which I think I think would save a ton of possessions. And even though, again, he already have a really good defense, but if you're going to double down on something, why not? You know, why not and still keep that shooting – um, with a guy who who makes everybody better, so I, I'm with that move 100. percent But yeah, you know, you're right. I still have flashbacks of Kendrick Nunn getting switched on Nikola Vucevic. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I, I I would just prefer Alonzo in those situations. And again, he he might not. You know, it's not like he's gonna stop every big that he gets switched onto. But it's a better look than anybody else that we have. Right, Greg. Is there any talk or any chatter or any even? inkling that the Heat are, are interested in a guy like Lonzo? Uh, I haven't heard anything on the trade front yet, but I just know that Riley has always had an affinity for his game, and I do know that they are aware of the fact that they're going to have to revamp the point guard spot. At some point, they can't avoid it. Like, this Goran Dragic thing eventually is going to run out. He's not an $18 million player this year. He's not going to be that going forward, so they got to find a long-term replacement there. I know Jimmy and Bam handle the ball so much, so maybe they don't need a traditional point guard, but Lonzo kind of is not necessarily such a traditional point guard. I love the idea, but I have not heard his name connected to the Heat yet uh, in the same way that we've heard J.J. Redick via buyout. Um, the, the name I hear most is Rudy Gay, and I just I, – I, I don't know how much he moves the needle for me, but that's the name I continue to hear most. Mm. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure we're going to hear a lot of stuff in the next five days. Definitely. Yes, and I'll get yelled at because everyone will say I'm lying when I'm just tweeting what I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) 
But recently, have you? Uh, I'm sorry to go back to the Oladipo thing. Have you heard recently he interest in Oladipo? Yes, absolutely. Oh yeah. Okay. Could always 100%. use more, more Nigerians. I think some Nigeria. <laughs> it, it also has to oh, do yeah. with cost. Like they're really looking for deals. Like they may have liked PJ Tucker more than Trevor Ariza, but the fact that they didn't have to offer KZ in that deal and basically they sent a pick that they may never convey. Um, that was the that's why they went with Ariza over PJ Tucker. Like they're looking for deals that are low cost, and Oladipo is going to be one of those. Ideally, Pat wants to pull a heist on Houston for Oladipo. Ideally, Houston needs to relax, though. The things I'm saying. I know they. they is it true? Is it really true that they asked for Duncan Robinson for PJ Tucker? I don't think so. That's all posturing. That's agents yeah. that leak shit and other teams. Party, I saw if I'm Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was never a thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing they want James Wiseman. They want Wiseman from the the, the Warriors, and that doesn't yeah. make any or, or like the, the Minnesota pick. Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like that's the kind of stuff people start to stockpile for the Bradley Beals of the world, not. Like, you know, Oladipo on an expiring. This is them realizing that they probably didn't get in as much as they should have for Harden, right. and they want to make up. <laughs> That's probably what it is. Yeah, and I think now they're realizing they should have kept Karis LeVert and not ended up making the three-team deal and getting, you know, Oladipo. I think their thought was he would have a great year. They'd be able to move him for a lot more than LeVert, but I'm taking, I'm taking LeVert at this point. If you're looking for trade value, I'm taking LeVert over Oladipo by far. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I like Karis LeVert a lot too. I don't. I still don't understand why Houston went ahead and they traded for Oladipo. Like, I mean, they literally got Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, and then they traded both away like that. I personally didn't get it. I, I could be mistaken, but the Jared Allen move was—it it wasn't possible to bring them both in. I, oh. I don't. I don't know why I think that. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. And the Oladipo thing is I think that they thought they were going to flip him, and I just don't think that the marketplace is there. It's a seller's um, market, and that just... Greg? Greg, you there? Oh, sorry. All right. Yeah, I said what I said, and then I just muted myself. Sorry if you missed it. Ah, you got you. So then... Moving forward, I feel like we hit on a lot. Is there anything else you guys feel like we should talk about? MVP. <laughs> MVP. MVP. <laughs> and time. We're closing every show with MVP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I'm forgot a, to do that. Thank you, Jake. I'm a fan of everything I see from like the five reasons side of things and you, Greg, but Ethan trying to rain the rain. Throw rain on the party for Jim VP and trying to put Depoy in there. I, I don't know. Just let us have the fun, man. <laughs> I think he's just trying to go for the more realistic award because, like, a four seed is probably not going to get MVP. Right. Yeah, I get it. I just, I just want the fun. <laughs> Ethan always kills the fun. <laughs> Boomer. <gasps> Classic. And your boss. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, well, I got a, I got a nine to five too now. That's not my full time gig. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, man, Jim VP propaganda. That's always going to be the main thing for this pod moving forward. 
Yeah, push the narrative. This is the push start the of a movement. This is the start of a movement. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, after the trade deadline, you guys got to have me back on so we can talk about what the Heat did or did not do. Oh, oh absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. They trade KZ. I will literally fly down to Florida <laughs> and fight somebody. I'm not even joking. You have you have been the number one KZ fan since you were riding Dome. Oh, shout out to Dome. Thank you. Thank you for plugging that. It's a great book, everybody, if you like Super And I actually stuff. purchased it. Like You did. You did. You probably I, thought I hated you, and I'm copying your books, Brian. No, man. Li- listen, <laughs> we have basketball debates, but at the end of the day, it's just basketball, man. Like, I, I would hope nobody's hating anybody over sports takes. Like, it's it's you know, oh, it's they're just out sports. there. Trust me, they're out there. They're, they're out there, and those people need like other hobbies and interests. They may life. hate <laughs> me and you actually these days now, Brian. Maybe, maybe, but you know, I. Thank you for that shout out. But yeah, hey, KZ's my guy. You know, he's a hey, Stanford dude. But, a, what's up? <laughs> KZ kind of saves you from spending those those picks on Oladipo, doesn't he? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but KZ is a cool dude and I would rather have <laughs> KZ. He listen, he is my biggest in theory player because literally all the tools are there. The ball skill, the size, the length. The willingness to want to play defense, even though he's a little overzealous at times, uh, it's just so much of it, I think, is mental. You know, he just doesn't know where to be or when to be aggressive or confident or whatever. Um, so I think the offseason is going to be absolutely massive for him. He hasn't had a summer league yet. He's played less career minutes than Precious to this point. So he's effectively a rookie. That's kind of how I want people to look at KZ going forward is he's effectively this well of untapped potential. And I think if he can put it all together, he's going to be a really, really solid play for the Heat. But you know, Hey, I, I was out on KZ. I, I really was out on KZ. And then the other day, I forgot on who it was. I saw him block the living daylight outside of the center. And I was like, okay, I'm back in. Oh, yeah. Uh, just a, just the move to the rim and the up and under. Like, uh, I'm, uh, I'm back in on KZ when he makes plays yeah, like we're that. Back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He has the skills. Just, you know, can he do it consistently? Uh, and that's more of a that's more of the question mark. But yeah, just that's to my touch on that, just to touch on that, because I know we're wrapping up. So obviously, KZ is a guy that he'd have always thought really highly of. Um, the talk obviously was if Hero wasn't on the board, KZ was our pick there, and then obviously we moved up for him. Um, I think KZ is a guy that he still believe has a lot of potential, and he's just a very raw player. Like you can tell, he's he's got the footwork and you know the length to be a, a very plus defender in this league his whole career. So we touched on that. His three ball is looking solid for kind of how old he is and how that wasn't really a strength of his game in college. I see that as a level of improvement. I don't know how much... uh how much G League ball you guys watch? For whatever reason, I thought I found myself watching a lot of KZ Apollo G League games last year. The man can take guys to the rim. He can yeah. like that. That's where the mini Giannis stuff I think kind of came from. Was he was just at will taking guys his size, bigger and smaller, to the rim and finishing either on a dunk or you know he's kind of he's kind of nice and slithery around the rim. I I, I still really like him and I wouldn't want us to kind of give up on him and use him as a filler in a trade. Where right. you almost want to see him put his to. head down and go to the rim more oh, yeah. often. And I, he's going. He, I think he's going to. Um, at the end of games when he's in and, and it's not really a close score, I see him kind of trying to attack and, and you know impose his will. I think that when he gains a little strength and a little bit more, uh, he's get, he gets the handle a little bit tighter. I do see him being a you know 
a top finisher on the team. There's there's way too many times in meaningful minutes where you see him catch the ball under the rim and he he automatically doesn't even look up. He goes to pass out. Yeah, it'll come. Yeah, it'll come. It's just, you know, he has to get that experience and and a little stronger. He he's he's a little skinny. So yeah, but, but who would have thought Casey talks to end up high? Shout out, to, shout out to my boy. Shout out to Nigeria. Shout out to, shout out to, to Stanford and the Bay Area and the West Coast. We call it the best coast. And, KZ MVP, yeah. something like K- that. KZ MVP. <laughs> I like that. We're, we're going to start that KZP. movement. KZP. <laughs> KZP. KZP. It rhymes. It's not KZ MVP. It's KZP. You're making him sound like Contavious Caldwell Pope. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> KZMIP. There we go. Let's see. All right, guys. I got to hop off. All right. But this was a good pod. um, Yeah, so we're going to close out soon. But one more thing. I want to ask you, Greg, one last question. You know, before we do head into the trade deadline, you know, a lot of people have been coming after Pat Riley saying, oh, Pat Riley's asleep, stuff like that. You know, all this wild stuff. Is there anything you want to tell to the um, certain Pat Riley haters out there? Well, I mean, Pat Riley is asleep in the old jokes and all that stuff. Like, like, let's just be very clear. Pat Riley has forgotten more about basketball than everybody on this podcast and everybody who's listening to this podcast has ever known. He has forgotten more than you have ever known about basketball. So at some point, we have to also recognize that he works harder and works longer hours than everybody probably listening to this podcast um, as it relates to his his profession. So I just feel mm-hmm. like at some point, like to say like he's in the nursing home sleeping, like it's funny, but like let's not take that for the gospel. Uh, th- these guys are uh, operating and approaching everything with due diligence. And uh, again, don't sleep on Andy Ellisberg. That's the dude who's making all the moves, making all the phone calls, plugging all the numbers. That's the dude. He's the glue. Right. Literally a year ago, we made a trade for Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala that got us over the hump to get to the final. So I, I don't, I don't see all these criticisms coming from. This happened literally a year ago. And then Jimmy with no cap space. So I agree with you. Exactly. It's, kind of, it's just people just like to make fun of Riley because of the JJ Dion era, the Hassan Whiteside era that I will forever, um, forever despise. Uh, so like I get it, but you know what? He's still he's better than most GMs. Go ask a Minnesota Timberwolf fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's facts. Definitely. No. But with that being said, um thank you, Greg, for hopping in for today's episode. And thank you to all those out there for tuning in today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. We'll be back very soon. Let's see what the Miami Heat decides to do, what moves they decide to make. And we'll see you guys next time with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode.